This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Masterforce Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Masterforce tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Are we ready to start? We are. Um, uh, Can I say something? Uh... Have I become a ripperologist? Uh oh. No more than I have. I'm starting to use the initials JTR to refer to Jack the Ripper more often than ever, but I've ever thought I would. That's the start down the slippery slope, my friend. If you have read up to four books about Jack the Ripper, are you am I have I am I now? With them? Well, there's no accreditation for a Jack, uh, Jack the Ripperologist. There's no accreditation yeah. for anything. Well, you <laughs> also, these people. You have to smell like old blood. Do you smell like old blood? I don't know. I mean, let me let me check my pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is the, this is the last podcast on the left. I am Ben Kissel. I'm staring at Marcus Parks, and he's in studio with us today. The only smell I'm getting is dick. All right. Well, then you're not yet a Ripperologist. All right, good. <laughs> I'm but, relieved. But uh, by the end end of this episode all of us will be including the listeners we're on to jack the ripper part five suspects part two yeah technically jack the ripper part four the suspects part part two oh yes yes Yes. it's like like it said before it's like harry potter and the deathly hollows it was two movies part one and part two no i uh, well, <laughs> oh, that's a t- okay. Yeah. So part four, suspects part two. Yep. Okay. Now you're getting it. <laughs> Whatever. It, so this is five. This is the fifth hour of Jack the Ripper content <laughs> exclusively for you. Now, I want you to know for a fact, we are literally just scratching the surface. Yep. Today, we're going to talk about what we believe are the most reasonable suspects. Um, there are many more mm. <laughs> um just go to casebook.com i believe the name of it i believe it's casebook jack the let me see the actual www.casebook.org yeah if you just want to go <laughs> through org, huh? oh and that makes yeah. it official oh yeah. wow that makes it very very special but there are many many there's a there's a suspects page that has three six nine twelve fifteen eighteen twenty one twenty four twenty seven thirty thirty three thirty four wow. different suspects that they can that each have a book written yeah. about them well now that we got jeff sessions in there under donald trump it'll be a dot gov pretty soon <laughs> pretty i'm sure soon. trump is gonna solve it um but we're, there are certain ones so we're gonna go through two specifically today but there two that you there are three more that you can always look up that we're not gonna cover today there's out there it's like you could read about the concept of the diary of Jack the Ripper which mm-hmm. puts James Maybrick as possibly Jack the Ripper Thanks. it's 
complete horseshit. <laughs> That's fake news? <laughs> There's complete fake Whoa. news. But there are people that believe it's entirely real because they are broken. There's W.H. <laughs> Barry, who's another very big uh, possible Jack the Ripper suspect. Also, oh. probably not. I am at this point wondering if there even were Jack the Ripper murders, but we'll get that at the end of the episode. Well, he, he sounds like a rock and roll pianist. I like that guy. Who? Barry. Burry. Burry. It's Burry. Is it Burry? <laughs> no, Barry just like, to me, that's a, but the problem is, is that ever since the restaurant scandal, Chuck Barry just reminds me of watching women pee. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. He set up a camera there, little director. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Same thing with our president. Oh, yeah. Um, Carl Feigenbaum is the other one that was another big suspect mm-hmm. that was, but the, to these two today are vaguely reasonable. Okay. I would say very reasonable. These mm-hmm. are our two pet uh, suspects that we really like. The first that we'll cover today is Fred Deeming. Now, much of this information comes from a BBC documentary called Jack the Ripper Prime Suspect, available on Netflix and highly recommended. It is super fun. It's awesome. better than the other two Jack the Ripper documentaries that are on that ch- on Netflix because the other two just are the part of the royal conspiracy ones, which are admittedly the more fun theories, but right. they're completely false. And they, they, it is not real. I've been watching nothing but documentaries on prison reform. Oh. <laughs> I watched a documentary on puppies the other day. It was That's fantastic. Fun. I have have you watched that. that one? Well, my Twitter feed is all puppies right now. <laughs> I've seen that. Yes. It looks like you've gone mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I got sad and I said, send me your puppies. Send me puppies. <laughs> send me puppies. Watch the puppy documentary. There's a whole section on puppy parade. You'll love it. I watched the Alex Jones Joe Rogan interview, and I got to say, I'm going to be Alex Jones. <laughs> well, we're going to stop. We're going to try to prevent that. Now back to Fred Deeming. Frederick Bailey Deeming was a con man and convicted murderer whose death mask was often pointed to in Scotland Yard's Black Museum as the face of Jack the Ripper when visitors would come through. There he is. Right. Hey, you want to pick his nose? <laughs> hey, we ought to do fun thing. We all lay our dick over, and it's over his top lip like it's a funny little mustache. Still a little rude, though, to do to a corpse. We don't even know if it's Jack the Ripper. We're just saying it. <laughs> Deeming, as far as his upbringing goes, he was said to have had an unnaturally strong relationship with his mother, who was said to have also been extremely domineering. His father was often absent, having spent quite a bit of time in a mental institution for unknown problems. I mean, maybe he was just too happy to be British. (laughs) They're like, you know we live in squalor and we're surrounded by human dookie, right? Or maybe the gnomes were actually coming to the house at night and fixing the shoes. (laughs) Hey, how how else do you get the doorknobs to work? Truth is stranger than fiction. (laughs) Think about that. Deeming left home at 16 for a life at sea and quickly developed a reputation as a con artist, often posing as a member of the upper class in his schemes. He would lead a life of crime and would be arrested multiple times for fraud in England, Australia, and even as far away as South Africa. Do it in the accent. South Africa. <laughs> Isn't that the South, South Africa? South Africa. <laughs> you just sound like an annoying elderly woman going up the stairs slow. You have me pity, lad. Oh, they did. You did. It's happening. South Africa. Well, we can only be grateful that not a lot of films take place in South Africa. Blood Diamond. District 9. <laughs> uh, Deeming eventually went down for both the murder of his second wife in Australia and the murder of his first wife and four children in England. He cut the throats of his first wife and three of his children before strangling and cutting the throat of the fourth before mm. burying them under the kitchen floor. He also cut the throat of his second wife before bashing her head in with an axe. Wow. 
relax, baby. Yeah. Do you think sometimes when you're making a sandwich in a kitchen and you know your whole family is underneath the floorboards, do you laugh? <laughs> you're saying, that's, that's kind of strange. I just eliminated my own role as father. And also, <laughs> weird. in Australia, to do axe murderers, you actually kill them with a handle upside down there. Oh, <laughs> It's funny and cute. That's yep. fun. But I'm going to say, I'm going to point this towards that there's going to be problems with the Fred Deeming theory, but that's of course because I'm the grand debunker here. We'll talk about this. Yeah, we'll Did talk. Do you want to do you want to label yourself uh, the yes, grand I wanna, debunker? I want a sash. I want a sash and I want little <laughs> shoes yes. and I want a big floppy hat like a chef's hat that says debunke on it. This is your your Costanza T-bone moment. You're like yeah. I have T-bone for every dinner. Call me T-bone. After he killed that second wife. He buried her under the fireplace in their home. He had bought the supplies for said burial days before the murder, proving premeditation. It was not a crime of passion. And when he was arrested for that murder in Australia... I mean, he obviously was feeling some passion. He was obviously he was feeling some passion. He was but excited it was not, to it, kill it wasn't his family. A spur of the moment. Does he just <laughs> does he not go outside? Why is he burying all these people in the home? Look at John Wayne Gacy. You you do what's easy. I guess so. You just do what you got. You got space in there. You're in Australia. You have to put everything on fucking tent poles to hide from the, the various dangerous animals just that are just roving the ground. Everything can kill you. It would be a great HGTV show, Home Renovations for the Serial Killer Inside of You. <laughs> now, when he was arrested for the murder of his wife in Australia, he was in the possession of a case containing 20 knives, including a dagger that could reasonably said to have been used in the Ripper murders. At the time of his capture, Deeming was posing as an aristocrat named Baron Swanson. Oh. <laughs> you can just see the mustache falling off his face as he speaks. <laughs> it's oh, Baron Swanson. Yeah, you bet you're right. Right there, mate. Yeah. Always been a Baron, always will. Yeah. Fresh me boomerang and stuck aside this asshole of this old fat woman I met. The mustache I'm a baron, I'm an aristocrat. Your mustache is falling right. I'm from South Africa. Tellingly, the British press treated this whole Baron Swanson ruse with almost more contempt than they did concerning the six murders he was accused of. They hate fake dukes they re- in oh. England. It's kind of like, and they get so mad because like fake dukes, it's, it's got like when you go to the toilet to sit down <laughs> instead of shit. And you fart, uh-huh. they hate that too. All sound, no fury. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> fury is what I like to call the lumps. <laughs> I think. Let's move on. <laughs> and speaking of aristocrats, who, if you'll remember from the second episode, they desperately wanted the Ripper to be one of their own, so too did the Australians want the Ripper to have at least murdered someone in their country, giving them a top shelf criminal in the history books. Well, now we're back to Dookie with the top shelf. Uh, and then it's like, it comes out, I mean, like, you wanted a serial killer in the in the royalty system or as a part of the royal family it's like you probably already got five yeah oh yeah yeah. Just fucking lean on those guys. Yeah, and half of you are lizards. Yeah. You're literally doing weird, ancient, like, sim- symbolic rituals every other day in order to call upon dark lords that are giving you secret knowledge. Be like, focus on that. That's oh, yeah. plenty dark. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But the Australians really wanted Jack the Ripper to be an Australian. You know, there wasn't a lot going on for these people. They just wanted something else. They, they just, had big spiders and sticks that come back. Yeah, <laughs> which is so, so strange. They always try to throw them away. And every burger shop you know for a fact is run by a sex criminal because yeah. it's Australia, and that's where all the sex criminals went. Yeah, kangaroos are cute, though. 
But despite the insistence of the Australians, Deeming was ruled out years ago as a suspect as he was supposedly in prison at the time of the murders. However, mm. recent discoveries suggest otherwise. Deeming was supposed to have been doing time in whole prison for fraud during the Ripper cases, but... Although Deeming was known to use up to 20 aliases, none of those aliases are present in the English prison system in the autumn of 1888. Deeming was in Hull Prison at one point, which is where all this confusion came from, but that wasn't until 1890, two years after the Ripper murders. But strangely enough, that prison stint actually gives us a link to those same murders. So, But he was in prison for fraud, not for the multiple murders. I mean, the multiple murders came later. Yeah, he killed his family, but we'll get into that I too. Mean, because killing okay. your family is different than killing prostitutes. Well, because you know your family, you know why they're bad. What I'm about to say right here, this disproves that. Soon after Deeming was released, the body of a young girl was found not an hour's walk from the prison, dead from injuries similar to that of the victims of Fred Deeming and Jack the Ripper. This huh? suggests that while Deeming was only proved to have killed family members, it is very probable that he committed at least one stranger murder as well, suggesting that he was very well capable of killing prostitutes. You know what, Marcus? I'm going to make you the grand debunker. No! No, <laughs> yeah. I'm a bunker. He's a, no, you I'm just bunker. debunked Henry. No, that's right. I did debunk You, debunk, you debunked, debunked the, the debunker. You you're the grand debunker. Woo! Oh, wait a second, though. Let me adjust my debunker cap. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tighten my debunker sash. <laughs> you are expanded. Now, concerning the murders themselves, Deeming's motive was the same as oh so many other suspects, syphilis. Ooh. Ooh. Early in 1888, Deeming had contracted syphilis from a prostitute. Years later, Deeming would tell his lawyer during the murder trial for his wife and family that the syphilis rendered him, quote-unquote, useless for two years, I was. <laughs> and also, and no. then he went on record saying that, that if he could have killed the prostitute who gave him the disease, he would have, and she would have fucking deserved it. Oh. Huh? It's true. Wait, motivation. That, that is motivation. That is, a, that is extreme motivation. But, but he, at the same time, I feel like if you toss an umbrella in, in Europe... You're going to hit most people with syphilis. <laughs> that's a very good point. And he just wanted to kill the one that gave him syphilis. Well, I mean, that's the thing. When the body of Catherine Eddowes was found, her nose had been cut off, mimicking what happens to victims of syphilis in the later stages of the disease. This could have been symbolic for Deeming, whose established hatred of prostitutes due to the disease could have driven him to kill. Hmm. Yeah, see, he couldn't find the prostitute that gave him syphilis. That was just long ago and far away. Obviously, he could, uh. he could have fucked a, a juicy old rotting melon that had syphilis in it and <laughs> right. could have gotten it from that. Because I feel like Fred Deeming possibly would have done something like that. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. So it's like when you can't find a good pizza place, so you go to CeCe's. Yeah. <laughs> but you but you want pizza because you want pizza. You still. want pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All now, right. now, syphilis, as we know, can also cause psychosis, and Deeming was said to have had hallucinations featuring his mother. Interesting. <laughs> that's and the also, worst. Th th that's a tied to normal serial killer like b b motivation, and also, it made you impotent. So that's yeah. the other big thing, too, is that you, you your penis doesn't work anymore, and you're really upset about it. Very and, upset. And, that's what he meant oh. by saying that he was rendered useless for two years. Right, right, right. He got it back, but for two years... 
Totally useless. Like well, Stella. Like, oh, he got his groove back. Yeah. Oh. Uh, concerning that syphilis psychosis, Deeming actually used that as an excuse as to why he murdered his whole family. He blamed this and the press for his conviction, saying he had been tried and convicted in the papers. He called the press, quote, the ugliest race of people I've ever seen. Absolutely disgusting. It's absolutely it's sad. Sad. <laughs> I can't believe how disgusting the race of press is. It's disgusting. The, he called the, like, the press is a race now? <laughs> yeah, the press is a whole race of people. <laughs> Really? A race <laughs> of people. <laughs> a strange way. To- dishonest. Very dishonest. Dishonest. Uh-huh. Disgusting. Absolutely. It's tremendous the amount of disrespect they're showing. Isn't but, that rude? But it's kind of interesting is that he, uh, calling them a race, it's just he just thinks every job is a different species of human. <laughs> yeah, he's a sailor human. They are press people. Interesting. No, murder-wise, both the Ripper and Deeming killed their victims quickly, and both Deeming and the Ripper strangled some of their victims before slitting their throats. And in some cases, the organs were arranged following the Ripper murders with the body parts being placed at the sides and at the feet. And when Deeming's family was found, the two children were placed on either side of Deeming's wife with the youngest placed at the wife's Feet. The by the way, the Ripper wow. murders came before the family murders. This is the guy. We got the guy. I don't. Think, I absolutely I don't, think we do. I, I, I don't. As far as Mary Kelly goes, Uh-oh. I've discovered since our third episode that many forensic scientists believe an axe we used to split her thigh bone, in addition to the knife that was used to slit her throat and mutilate her. And when oh. Deeming killed his wife years later, he killed her both with a knife and with an axe. Oh, yeah, you got to just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop Yikes. the beat from shuffling. <laughs> well, and also they found on Mary Kelly's body a fake mustache. Oh. So think about that. Baron Mesabinia, artist from South Africa. Concerning Demon's knowledge of the streets of Whitechapel, remember that he was a sailor and Whitechapel is near... A port. Of course, an island. As, we, as yes. we said, you know, Whitechapel is a very confusing place to get around. It's like a maze. But it is highly likely that while he wouldn't have had the knowledge that a Whitechapel resident would have, he was no doubt familiar with the area due to it being a place where prostitutes tend to be found very easily. He was in and out of London a lot. He admitted during his Mm. murder trial that he made regular trips to London, and this coincided with the new rail link that made travel from Liverpool, where Deeming lived in 1888, to London quick and easy. Sounds like a lot of jumps in logic, but you know, we come down to and logic here. at all. I'm just sitting here tight in my little debunker shoes oh, I know waiting for it. my chance to speak. Well, I no. can't wait to hear your uh, debunking because at this point, he's guilty. We got to get this guy to the town square. We got to corner him. He is way guilty. I've, I've never seen such guilt on somebody. So, while this doesn't place him specifically in Whitechapel, eyewitness accounts do. See, unlike any other suspect, we have both the death mask of Fred Deeming as well as his actual skull. We know that Deeming had a very distinctive face with very unusual features. His brow protruded from his skull, giving giving him deep-set eyes. He also had a square jaw, which is usually accompanied by a solid build. It's like Kissel. 
That's not like me, you <laughs> Neanderthal. Yeah, you look just like that. No, he deep set eyes you are like deep set eyes. No, I don't have deep set eyes. Deep set eyes are like people who don't have to buy hats because they have <laughs> God given cranial sun protection. I have very deep set eyes. I feel like no, we you, look very similar. No, no, deep, true deep set eyes. You know what I'm talking about. They yeah. always look. They're always dark around there because the sun's not getting in. I mean, you Raccoon save a lot eyes? of money. Similar, like Amisha Barton. Yes. Does she have deep set eyes? No. Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. No, it's like usually uh, these people aren't movie stars. Johnny no. Depp. <laughs> no. They're one of the most handsome men in the world. Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Maybe. I don't think so. No. Um. But I'm uh, saying, jaws, square, you right? have a square jaw. You have a big head and a square jaw, and you got a solid, you have a big, wide body. Is this the beginning of Extreme Ben Makeover? No. What are you doing with me? Do you remember Ugly Duckling where they used to, yes, if that the, the people atrocious. would win to get surgery, and then they'd still oh. be called ugly because yes. they said that their surgery wasn't good enough? That was one of the most <laughs> offensive shows. Extreme, it was stri- Extreme Makeover, yeah. Human Edition. It was <laughs> so bad. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. <laughs> That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats and oh they love their life and they love the they love what bark box brings because bark box brings the bark and puts it in a box yep to get your free upgrade go to barkbox.com slash l-e-f-t this podcast is brought to you by squarespace finding work-life balance can be tough but squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text and that helps you save time i know i'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse picks now part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts now so what i've done to do is like so while i'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Every day. I fight to set my child up for success, which is why 
as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Now, this distinctive face that Fred Deeming had jogged the memory of a dressmaker when she saw Deeming's photograph in a London newspaper during his murder trial. She said that she was with Deeming in Whitechapel on the night of the double event. Mm. I found it to be very curious because I was trying to not make eye contact with him, having been ever conversation with him, but so deep shit his eyes was. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like his eyes were his goddamn ears. And I was like, he's weird me out. I'm gonna remember you the rest of my life. And God, he doffed my bottom. <laughs> he doffed my bottom until I couldn't ride horses to the fucking w- w- alcohol stonomo. He doffed your bottom. Oh. Huh? Duffed it. Soup bowl for eyes. (laughs) I love this guy. Now, furthermore, other eyewitness accounts match Deeming to the Ripper. Witnesses said he was between 5'5 and 5'7. Deeming was 5'6. They also said that the Ripper was of solid build, which Deeming was as well. They went on to say he had strange eyes, Mm -hmm. a carroty mustache, which Deeming had, a high felt hat, a chain watch, and a long overcoat. This matches up Perfectly with actual photos we have of Deeming. Oh, I thought you were going to say matches up perfectly with every manager at a Chase Bank. It's <laughs> true. Like what? Dick Punch, we met that guy yeah. from Chase Bank. Right. Was he wearing a top hat? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but he was, he, was, he was thinking that he should be. He looked like he was wearing one. Uh, but also, uh, it'd be strange if they just, if they, they always keep saying solid build. He's yeah. not Alex Mack. He's not going to be a bunch of liquid. <laughs> no, I mean, I solid build. Like, I'm not of solid build. I'm of ropey build. I'd say you're solid build. I'm not solid build. What I'm am very, I? Well, by you're the, of, I mean, you're of barrelish build. Hmm. Like a barrel. Okay. Well, yeah. I, think, I think everyone understood what barrelish meant. <laughs> you mean fat? <laughs> no. no. Actor fat. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, all of this is circumstantial, just like everything with every ripper. Suspect is forensics wise one of the few pieces of evidence that survives to this day is the shawl of Catherine Eddowes, 
which was found near her body on the night of her murder. Her di- her shit diaper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everything. Always remember, listeners at home, everything is covered in human duke. Every single part of Whitechapel. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this shawl, it is indeed covered with DNA, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, very creative. <laughs> now, the samples taken from it, though, have been become contaminated in the 130 some odd years since the murder, and nothing could be matched to deeming. Do you think that every guy that got a hold of that shawl, like, just for the, just be like, in memory of Catherine Eddowes. <laughs> oh, I don't said came on it just once, like, just That's, like pouring one out. <laughs> I guess so. I seems like it would be a lot of work, but. The other piece of forensics is the letters. DNA left on the stamp of one of the letters does not match deeming, but interestingly, the DNA on that stamp isn't male. It actually came from a woman. It's Splack! <laughs> Splack oh the my. Ripper! <laughs> oh my god. Everyone di- died from drowning happy. <laughs> now, it is possible that Deeming forced his wife to write and send the letter for him, as it isn't uncommon for serial killers to get their partners to do the dirty work. Which we have talked about before. Serial killers have made their wives write letters for them. It's like, I, I forget what specifically. We literally like didn't cover it that long ago. The Sunset Strip murder? Yes! Yeah. But she also eventually joined him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. why let him have all the fun? Well, yeah. that does happen. Like, it does usually start off, you know, like serial killers, when they have uh, female partners, they edge them into it. It's just a little bit at a time, and then eventually uh, they're killing together. Or like Leonard Legg's girlfriend and then Paul Bernardo and his wife. I yeah, was yeah, yeah. say, uh, Charles Ing there, um, I'm going to, I'm starting to do a lot of different things in my life, and I'm going to start sending out letters, and I'm going to get a dog to lick the stamps. <laughs> What, to keep, like, you away from the hard DNA evidence of I what you're know. sending? No. Are you going to be no. sending weird, crude letters like <laughs> no. Albert Fish used to do? <laughs> no. and like, I wish I, how I, I wish just to see wanted- you sit upon a pile of your sweet peanut butter. <laughs> there is a Chihuahua mix in the pound right now in Brooklyn named Brooklyn, and I might go buy it. Isn't that the dog that hates everybody? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cause that's why it's called Brooklyn. Also, how are you going to... Take care of an animal, you can barely take care of yourself. It's Brooklyn, baby. It takes care of itself. <laughs> That's not true. It's a dog. Oh, it's dog a dog it's can't a get a job and feed itself. I can't go to the store. I can feed it. Every time I have a bite of something, I throw another bite on the floor. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna do that dog what my family did to our dog. Oh. Now, the whole theory about Deeming's wife sending the letter, that's pretty wild speculation. It could have just as likely been that uh, whoever sent the letter handed it to a female postal worker and she put the stamp on herself. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite part. Yeah, it's disgusting. (laughs) However... Deeming does match the psychological profile worked up by the FBI Behavioral Sciences Unit. This is what their profile said. Age 28 to 36, a domineering mother, an absent father, carried a knife or knives. Deeming was arrested with 20 and suffered from a venereal disease contracted by a prostitute. In addition, many credible ripperologists believe that the ripper was a sailor, a job that Deeming held for most of his life. And they say that the reason why is because of the shoes. They say a lot of time because of rubber shoes. Mm -hmm. They were also very, I guess, rare. I don't fucking know. They're good. The rubber shoes are what you want. Yeah, I guess they made you easy to sneak. 
but grip. Uh, yes. Sneak and grip on like a little cat's paws. Yeah, for a boat. That would make sense. Yeah. But that's not to say that there aren't problems with Deeming as a suspect. Since Deeming had so many aliases, it's entirely possible he could have been prison at the time of the murders under a name not known to the investigators. But that is, of course, like speculation. He might have been in prison. He might not have. But if well, he was just feeling jaunty that morning, he's just like, yeah, the name is Dr. Vlad Cheerio. Yeah, but that does not rule him out. Sure, but it doesn't also solidify him. No, absolutely not. No, I'm saying that there are mm-hmm. definitely problems with this. There's nothing that solidifies anything to anybody. I think he's the one. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, he's either Jack the Ripper or a moonshiner. But that's his, that is the thing. But also, if, if it's true that he did kill a woman outside of his family, right? I wonder if the, I would like to find out whether or not that woman looked like his wife. Because what you'd hear about is like serial killers a lot of time kill people that remind them of people that they hate. And I understand looking at your family and being like this group groups gotta go but I also understand but, but if you see somebody who looks just like your wife out in the street right. I mean, and you hate your wife you're probably like yeah there she is again she never dies and then you have to like kill her too you know so you fantasize about killing Jackie Zabrowski no <laughs> that's what it seems only like. if I lived with her I see yeah. And also, you know, the Deeming M.O., it doesn't match up quite as well as I'd like. Uh, Deeming was known to hide his victims, including the possible victim he may have killed after being released from whole prison in 1891. And concerning the syphilis psychosis, Deeming had only lived with the disease for less than a year in the autumn of 1888. And the psychosis takes much longer than that to develop as a symptom. Hmm. But don't you go pretty much immediately impotent? Sometimes. Oh, God, that's a bad game. Most, yeah. most guys do go immediately impotent. Like, uh, for example, Randolph Chur- Churchill from the, fir- the last episode. He mm. went pretty, he was uh, impotent, and they say that's why. He uh, ordered William Gull to uh, start the whole Freemason thing yeah. because he was mad because his dick didn't work. So does your body, like, feel it when it no longer can have a baby? What? You know, because we a, can never have children. No, I, well, we can have children, <laughs> but the we penis, don't, we're not impotent. You can get horny, and then your penis doesn't work. It never. Oh, it doesn't it? Doesn't rise. It up. doesn't rise up. It's literally oh, the cause for what I imagine is most horrific events that have happened on the face of the planet. Yeah, have come from men not being able to get a hard on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. But as far as I can tell, there's nothing to definitively rule out deeming as a suspect, and as an interesting. Postscript to the Deeming story, when Deeming was finally hanged, the people of Whitechapel wrote a song to commemorate the occasion. On the 21st of May, Frederick Deeming passed away. On the scaffold, he did say, Tara de boom today! Tara de boom today! Tara de boom today! Tara de boom today! This is a happy day, an East End holiday. The Ripper's gone away! The Ripper's gone away! <laughs> the happiest day for these local yokels was watching a man die? That yes. was the happiest day for anybody in 18. They gotta get people. a Frasier, they gotta get a Seinfeld. They watched House Fires like it was television. Right, that's right. The guy was running across. <laughs> but also, we had the same thing when Montague Drew had also died. The cops also said, we got our Ripper now. He just pulled him out of the Thames. Mm. They're just really excited to have gotten the Ripper. Yeah. yeah. Anybody so. that could have been the Ripper, they were pretty excited when that person was killed. Sure. Yeah. But obviously, he's got his he's got his pros and his cons. Yeah. My big thing is that he just, I, it would be hard to know Whitechapel because it's just so dark there. 
But I guess if yeah. you're around looking for prostitutes all the time, he, he was in and out of Whitechapel a ton. It's like I've only been to Harry Potter World in Orlando twice, and I know that place like the back of my hand. Now. <laughs> Hold on a second, you've been there twice? Yeah, for Christmas times, both with the family, all love it. And it's a gigantic shopping mall. It's like a money vacuum that you just show up and they're just like, "You want to feel like a wizard? It's only seventy five dollars for this hat." So and- twice, the the Harry Zabrowski tribe have just rampaged Harry Potter. Oh, <laughs> tromping around, drinking her butterbeer. <laughs> Me screaming, smile, smile! Everyone smile! Horrifying for the poor people that work there. Some days they don't want to be a wizard, but they have to be when the Zabrowskis are around. Absolutely, because we demand it. But as compelling as deeming is, just as compelling is a man who is under our noses the entire time. That man is Joseph Barnett, the boyfriend of Mary Kelly. This is interesting. Interesting. It is again. It's also, a little too oh, interesting. Of course, right? All of this is a little too interesting. I wonder if he was related to our Kevin Barnett. Could be. <laughs> you think maybe deep, deep down? We'll have to know if there's anything about him loving birds, then we'll know that he is. Uh, Barnett was an East End lifer born in 1858 as the fourth child of four sons and a daughter. And true to the East End, Barnett's father died when Joseph was six from the old timey disease pleurisy. Possibly as a result from his father, father suffering from the consumption. Is this just another 1800s, just like you waste away until you're a skeleton disease? I mean, he probably had the consumption and then through consumption, pleurisy took over. What's pleurisy? Like, it seems like everybody had, uh, they're, they're suffering from the drug crocodile. <laughs> Everyone is just turning into street muck. Just skins are falling off like, uh, like um, uh, what was that great movie, uh, Dead Again? Or um, the one with the, uh, oh, the wonderful Meryl Streep. Death Becomes. Death becomes her. That's yeah. a great one. Your skin's falling off. Yeah. Now, seven years after Barnett's father died, Joseph's mother inexplicably and mysteriously disappeared without a word or a trace, leaving the Barnett kids to fend for themselves. I think I got an explanation. I think she didn't want to be a mom anymore. <laughs> yeah, because it's a nightmare world full of hell goblins. I literally just go do anything else. Just don't be here anymore. Why the fuck would you want to stay at Whitechapel? No, I would, I if I just saw one to be like, all right, shall we enjoy yourself playing? It seemed to be a train. Is pulling in. I gotta see if I can catch it. <laughs> run, 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 run. Just grabbing onto any train that's pulling out of town. It's one of those cartoons where their legs become a wheel and then just like zoom on out of there. Now, Joseph was traumatized from this and developed a stutter. He would also later display symptoms of echolalia, a mental disorder suggesting autism or schizophrenia in which a person repeats back words and phrases that are said to them. In which a person repeats back words and phrases that are said to them. In which a person repeats back words and phrases that are said to them. In which a person repeats words back and phrases that are said to them. Echolalia. Echolalia. I got about two more minutes <laughs> where I can handle that. Um, but That's apparently good. it's also, yeah, it's a sign of autism, which shows that like he had some kind of weird mental disorder and probably, again, very unattractive to be a mother to. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if he is autistic, he might be the smartest person in Whitechapel because autism does require an extreme focus. And oftentimes there's hidden talents well, that just need to be discovered. Well, yeah, interesting that you say that, Actually, Kissel. It is interesting Accidentally that you say very good No, I, that was on purpose. That was on purpose. I am not yeah. the debunker here. Yeah, actually, well, yeah, Joseph had no trouble intellectually. He uh, was actually very well-spoken. He could read and write exceptionally well. He was a smart guy by all accounts, but being an East Ender, he, like his father before him, worked as a fish porter his entire life. Fish porters unloaded and transported fish 
packed in large trunks weighed, weighing almost 100 pounds each. They carried these trunks on their heads using specially designed hats named bobbins. Cute. Ooh, it's like the Tropicana girl. Yeah. <laughs> and that often left those porters bald as a cue ball. Literally? No way. Their yeah. job. You cannot go bald by putting something on your head. 100 said- pounds constantly rubbing on your head all day long every day for 12 hours a day? Apparently they said most fish porters, that's how you knew who the fish porters were because they were bald by the age of 25. They're in well. Whitechapel, covered in fish guts and prostitute shit. With any luck, they'll think I'm a fryer. Um, it just, I don't know if that's how you go bald. I think maybe just the genetics of the of the people who would be in that lot of life I might don't be, know. you know, more of a hairless people. Yeah, while Joseph wasn't bald just yet, he was enormously strong having done this work for 10 years by the time he met a beautiful young prostitute named Mary Kelly. Now, we again, remember, beautiful is put into a very special terms when it, when it comes to Whitechapel. Yes, but she, she just was still wasn't, beautiful she, I mean, for the time. She was a Whitechapel 8. She was a Whitechapel 8, which That's is good. technically a San Bernardino 3. <laughs> well, California has very high standards. What I would say is that she also just wasn't physically actively melting in front of him. Yes. That's, so she that's was an fine and so he became obsessed with her. Yeah. Yes. See, Joseph tended to look down on prostitutes but in the case of Mary, he overlooked this fact and the two moved in together the day after they met for the first time in 1887. Hmm. Barnett, single at 29 with a heavy stutter and of course also the echolalia, he felt like the luckiest boy in town and he pretty quickly became emotionally and sexually obsessed with her. Yeah, I day, Mary. I just gotta say, I'm just most impressed that you could just stop prostituting for a second so we could go on a date tonight. I never stopped prostituting. I never stopped prostituting. Why did, why did <laughs> yeah. you say that? I just I, I prostitute all the time. I prostitute all the time. Don't make me say that. Every time you say that, I say that. I love the gush. I love the gush. Of men. I love the gush of men. So I Don't make still, me say it again. I am actively prostituting. I am actively a prostitute. And, no. I hate prostitutes that make me suck. Oh. Sucking and... Okay. No, from Mary's point of view, Barnett was a nice change of pace from the usual dregs she lo- knocked around with. For while Joseph was a fisherman, he was intelligent and also a bit of a fancy boy who always wore top hats. God. Okay. So also, <laughs> he was weirdly bald from carrying yeah. boxes and trunks of fish dick on yeah. his head. The best he smelt like was like new fish. <laughs> like there's no way he ever smelt good. Like it's just. Well, she was she was a Whitechapel prostitute. She's not doing great either. I guess not. I mean, it's just usually when when someone drops trout, the, the smell in the room gets worse. But you get a feeling it was a nice relief yeah. from fish guts and overall oh, bass. You bald actually the best part of you. I think it would make a lot of sense. <laughs> but more importantly to Mary, Barnett was more than happy to pay her way so he could keep her off the streets and out of prostitution. And this was precisely the reason why Mary Kelly had a room while the other victims all stayed in DOS houses. She was the lowest form of kept woman. But this arrangement only worked as long as Joseph had that steady fish money coming in. And it was not very good either. <laughs> baby, we got that fish money coming in, baby. It was like three pounds a week. Yeah, it was very little, yeah. And sure enough, after 10 years working in Billingsgate Market, Joseph was suddenly fired, most likely... 
for stealing fish. See, Barnett was eager to please Mary, so he was constantly buying her gifts, quote, such as meat and other things, he as he later put so it. He would buy it. He That's would steal gift? meat and bring it to her, kind of like, like a cat. Or like the dad from Scrooge. Where yes. He would be like, That's $20 worth of veal. Yeah, it's sort of like a lady in the tramp type thing, I guess. Yeah, the other things that he talked about, that was probably fish he was smuggling out of the market to give to Mary Kelly. Is she the penguin? I mean, why would... Oh, thank you for the fish. Oh, God, yeah, Barry Fish, I hope that makes you smile. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. That's why I brought it to you, because I knew you'd say something nice for once. Okay, get out of here. I got a prostitute. Okay, get out of here. I got a prostitute. This is disgusting. I brought you up to four pence worth of fish guts. Well... I'm about to be swimming in. Well, I'm about to be swimming in. Come. <laughs> yes. yes. After Barnett was fired from the fish market, he managed to get work here and there selling oranges as sailors, scurvy. You got to get that scurvy. You got to get that vitamin C in there. So yeah. there was a lot of orange sellers around. But the income wasn't anywhere near what he was pulling down as a fisherman. So Kelly, who had become accustomed to this fish and meat lifestyle that Barnett had provided, <laughs> oh, this high class, highfalutin, and again, Mary also, Kelly. This is how Kevin Barnett's future girlfriends must feel because now that he yes. can afford the meat and the fish to bring home, because They're, he's working on that very wonderful job in television Carmichael in Los show, Angeles, yeah, of course. <laughs> yep. Mary Kelly returned to the streets once more to make her live in the way she had always made it. Oh. And this put Barnett in a bit of a pickle. See, from what I can tell, Mary didn't like Barnett all that much and actually seemed to have actively despised him. Apparently, she openly talked about how much she disliked him, and they got into many vicious fights. Yeah, because Mary Kelly was a mean drunk, as we all know. And so after mm-hmm. Barnett lost his job, there was no real reason for Mary to stick around besides the room, and even then, that probably probably wouldn't be around for much longer. So Joseph came up with a plan. Hmm. As we said in our first episode, the series of 11 killings that became known as the Whitechapel murders were kicked off by the stabbing death of Martha Tabram and the beating death of Emma Smith, who had been beaten to death by three street toughs. These killings would have no doubt affected Mary, who may or may not have known the women personally. What actually is interesting, too, is that uh, witnesses and people with, like, uh, Witnesses, huh? I know. Completely <laughs> uncredible. But fr- they have said that uh, he would say, he would read the stories out loud to Mary purposely to make her upset. Yeah. Well, but she was nice also asking him to read the story. She can't read. <laughs> oh, she can't read. He can read. Well, I think there's a lot of upsides here. Yeah. And they all lived on the same street, both the victims and Mary Kelly, and most likely would have at least been familiar with each other, all belonging to the same subset of hard-drinking local prostitutes. You know, I just thought about him stealing fish in his top hat, and he comes home, and she's like, you didn't bring me any fish, and then he lifts up the top hat, and it all comes falling down. <laughs> oh, I brought you gifts, dear. This is, see, this is the Heathcliff world, I imagine. <laughs> this sounds kind of happening nice. in Whitechapel. If this yeah. was real love, it would be kind of sweet. Yeah, Ben, this is what happens when Heathcliff becomes real. Hey, that's what at, this is. That's what that. this is. This huh? is a, yeah, Joseph Barnett is Heathcliff. Oh, look at that. He's got a lot of friends <laughs> and a car that doesn't work unless unless you hit it just so. And so when Barnett lost his job, he resorted to the most desperate of measures. He would kill local prostitutes to scare Mary off the streets and back into his arms. Now this hmm. isn't as much of a stretch as you might imagine. It's not a very long leap. It's a pretty long leap, but it's not a very long leap from gutting fish 
to mutilating women. In fact, one physician who was stationed at London Hospital during the murders and had spent time in the North Sea said that, quote, The great surgical skill which Jack the Ripper used to apply to his female victims could easily have been picked up by a man accustomed to boning and filleting fish. Women are just like fish. <laughs> yeah, that's what it sort of seems like. And I would have to say there's a huge difference. There is, it seems like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a leap, definitely. It's not an impossible leap. That but man, just, that surgeon was just thinking about gutting fish. Right. Imagining gutting women and completely hard <laughs> yeah. thinking about both. It's unique to that, uh, to that doctor there. And so Jack the Ripper claimed his first victim, Mary Nichols, on August 31st, 1888, shortly after Barnett lost his job. And eight days later, Annie Chapman was found dead. And while there isn't a direct connection to Nichols, Barnett and Mary Kelly, Chapman is a little more interesting. In the past, Chapman had stayed at 30 Dorset Street, just two doors away from Barnett and Kelly's apartment. And one newspaper would claim that Chapman and Kelly had been friends at one point. Now, it could be that the killing of a person unknown to Kelly didn't have the desired effect, and so Barnett not only moved on to someone that Kelly actually knew to drive the point home a little further, but also upped the ante on the mutilation. Because that would make her extra scared, because now it happened to somebody you know. Mm-hmm. Now, now that it's happening to somebody you know, like it's like, how do you feel now? Like, your best friend that we just saw, the one that like like she would take the fish, but instead of holding her hands, she put it inside of her vagina. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So, so he's killing a bunch of prostitutes to scare, uh, you know, Mary Kelly. But what are the, it would be hilarious if, first of all, she didn't even realize that anyone was going missing. And then be like, God damn it. You know, <laughs> yeah, be like, like, but it, it just seems like a real roundabout way to get her to come back to it. You say that. Yeah. Well, it just doesn't. I mean, it seems like quite a mental stretch. To, yeah. You say that. Yeah. I don't now, three weeks <laughs> went by without... And by the way, n- none of this is really in court records or anything like no. that. This is just cobbled together from uh, people who kind of knew them. Ripperologists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, three weeks went by without a murder, and things had started to die down a bit. Uh, it could be that Kelly was slowly starting to return to the streets, for the murders would escalate once more with the double event when Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes both met their fate on the same night. Now, these women are also all loosely connected. Stride was living at 38 Dorset Street, only a couple dozen yards from Barnett and Kelly, and Eddowes was known to have sometimes sheltered in the abandoned shed located at 26 Dorset Street, the same shed that adjoined Barnett and Kelly's apartment. And what a lovely shed I imagine <laughs> it was. Beautiful shed. Yeah. Beautiful shed. You know, you ever see tiny houses, big I, living? Yeah. Not like that because it's not all slathered with jism and blood and, <laughs> right. and shit, prostitute shit, yeah. but kind of like that. Yeah, that tiny houses show. They they stink. They're yeah. trailers. Yeah. yeah. Now it's not only likely, but probable. If all this is true, it is not only likely, but probable that Kelly knew Eddowes personally, or at the very least, knew her by sight. She may have even known Barnett. Hell, all of the women at the very least may have known Barnett as a familiar face, as he had worked and lived in the East End all his life. Besides being the boyfriend of a local prostitute, particularly the boyfriend of the pretty local. And prostitute. And you know he right. was a quotation mark quotation mark fucking boyfriend, and they all made well, fun of him, Sex of the City style, wherever he went. Well, I think that he was a he was a great boyfriend to Mary Kelly, and now he's just trying to to scare her straight. Think about <laughs> That's that. That's what this is, How right? How good a boyfriend you gotta be to, mur- to kill all her friends, right? To make her safe. 
Well, now it sounds like an abusive relationship. No, 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 uh, no, no, you no, say no. It like Good that, boyfriend. I, I'd say I, advanced boyfriend techniques. <laughs> Kill her friends so, to make her feel so safe. So she doesn't yeah, have yeah. anyone to turn to except for you, and, yeah. then, and then obviously we'll see what happens. Now, this... The fact that Barnett knew all these women, not the fact that, but the possibility that Barnett knew all these women, it could have enabled him to get the jump on his victims, causing them to let their guard down upon seeing them. And since Barnett was a lifelong East Ender, he knew every single street which he could escape down to avoid detection. And unlike many of the other suspects, there is actually a bit of evidence leaking Barnett, although it is, like everything else, extremely circumstantial. Always. A constable followed a line from the Catherine Eddowes murder in, Cath- in Mitre Square to the bloody apron on Goulston Street over to a bloody sink in Miller's Court. Straight line between the three sites. The constable never gave the exact location, but it is known that there was a water tap in Miller's Court right outside Barnett and Kelly's room. And not only did Barnett live close to all his victims, he lived close to all of the murder sites. And, yeah. And what we know about serial killers is that most of the time, they work in their neighborhood. A lot of times they do, yeah. But weren't there always just piles of bloody clothes and every sink was full of blood? Yeah. <laughs> Can't you just stop by any place? But that was thicker, newer blood. They oh, remember the older blood patterns because they have to. Well, that's how you give directions. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Take a left by the big, by the three-week-old blood pile. Blood pile. Now, if one were to draw circles around the scenes of the murders, the center would be roughly on Dorset Street. Now, this falls in line with the circle hypothesis, which says that a large percentage of serial killers live within a few minutes' walk of their crimes. Now, concerning the Jack the Ripper letters, if they are indeed genuine, it can very easily be said that the aim of these letters were to frighten and terrify, particularly the line, I am down on whores, and I shan't quit ripping them until I do get buckled. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> now, Barnett knew that these messages would reach Mary. Now, Mary's fear was so great that she would have Joseph go out and buy all the newspapers that carried Ripper news and have him read them aloud to her. Ooh, that's what happened in uh, Florence Jenkins Walker or whatever the hell that. Don't movie even is. bring it up anymore. I, yeah, that movie sucked. Yeah, well, so I, much I dick. We had to called, watch it Florence twice. Of, yeah, and not only would it frighten Mary, but it also served to show the police and the world just how clever Joseph Barnett really was. Hmm. Now, the more we look into Joseph, the more we see similarities between him and the classic profile of a serial killer. He was an intelligent man working a menial job below his potential, which is common among serial killers such as Dennis Rader, who was a dog catcher and security guard, and also enjoyed showing the press and the police how much smarter than them he was until that actually got him caught. That's if those first two letters where the Dear Boss letters yeah. were real. If but they also, are real. But if the From Hell letter is real, right, to George Lusk, <laughs> there's a thing apparently, which is really interesting, is a part of what is the, the, when the when that one the one credible witness in this fucking theory came forward and said that, like, you saw that Jack the Ripper was wearing rubber shoes, right? We were saying that it puts him to the sailors. But also, the only other people that were wearing rubber shoes in Whitechapel at the time were members of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, which means whoever was a, whoever he saw that light could have possibly been a part of the committee and also have known George Lust's personal address. And what they also know is the fact that he, Joseph, was a member of the Vigilance Committee. He was the part. So maybe he knew from the inside and who to send the, the letter to. And so the from if the from hell letter is real, it could have also possibly been for Joseph Barnett with the same uh, the, uh, the same uh, motive. 
I think you could use a rubber shoe as a stamp. I'm if, saying if if you put a, if you if you ink it up on the bottom and put a little etch in there. Now, further as far as the profile goes, Joseph came from a family with an absent father and a cold and distant mother, mm. much like Henry Lee Lucas and dozens of others. Now, Joseph suffered from echolalia, which can be symptomatic of schizophrenia, which is common among extremely violent serial killers. Many times, the initial kill is triggered by a huge change or stress of some sort, and the Ripper killings began very soon after Joseph lost his job. And keeping Mary off the streets might have been just the excuse he was looking for to begin killing. So after the double murder, the streets of Whitechapel virtually empty of prostitutes, and we know that Kelly was no longer on the streets, as their landlord later reported that the couple had stopped paying rent around this time. But they'd oh also my, and that's the only concern for the landlord. He doesn't care about all the missing prostitutes. He just needs his two pence. Well, obviously, and they were also so belligerently drunk together all the time that it almost kind of seemed like they were on the same page and kind of having a good time. Yeah. Like, apparently, they showed up together to drunkenly scream at the landlord about how he'll get his rent when he's going to to get his rent and that's oh. teamwork and couples should be a team yeah. I agree with that was like Charlie Sheen when he went through his tiger blood <laughs> prostitute phase which I think he's still in <laughs> Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it it's what people gather around it's generosity in its simplest form and it's a swagger people have who know what's good each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold balanced flavor this signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything it's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today you're definitely going to want to try every flavor the original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers the hot Hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some chop. Texas Pete sriracha sauce. And I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of chai. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at Texas Pete. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites. And oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over, I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. 
My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. But Mary, forced to stay in a 12 by 12 room with a man she couldn't stand, decided to bring home a homeless prostitute named Julie Venturni to live with them. Joseph wasn't happy about this. This is what? Exactly. 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 Alan Moore in From Hell. It it would be fun for a bit. A second. But the problem is that she's a lower level prostitute than Mary. Mary's already. Well, that's perfect because Mary, you know how this works in relationships when you have threesomes. You never get a girl that's better than the the woman that you're with. Exactly. You have to choose somebody that she's not going to be jealous of. The woman gets to choose. She's going to choose. She's going to choose somebody that she's okay with. But in the same way, From Hell, they were like showing me and like she means she was like, you want to get a piece of this bang tail? And they were like, and she went down and started going down on her and stuff and then Joseph's just being like never. watching them fucking go down on each other meanwhile like he's wrong entirely because that's great but also there's another theory there's, that's one theory is that maybe Mary Kelly was possibly had some sort of lesbian tendencies Right, she invited. Sure, po- possibly. Possibly. I mean, yeah, but also well, there's all a- the men smelled like fish, and that's if they had a job. Yes, that's literally a, an employed man. Well, I mean, there's one theory that she possibly had lesbian tendencies, but the most likely theory is that she was trying to force out Joseph, or she was afraid of Joseph, and brought somebody in there to be her backup. Like literally, brought somebody in here. Now that I'm trapped in here, right? Mm. Mary Kelly's a. I'm gonna. I'm living off of this man. He is maybe a monster. I'm noticing he's coming home. Covered in blood. If he's Jack the Ripper, he is not, it's not a subtle murder. Mm, so he's coming no. in, just been like, like all agitated from ripping all night. He's finally <laughs> like drunk enough to be sated while you're sitting there after the streets are empty because all your friends are fucking dead. So you're sitting there really nervous all the time. And eventually, just like maybe I'll bring someone in here that kind of helped me Bowie against him because my boyfriend, quote unquote, captor, quote unquote, like benefactor, is getting more and more unpredictable. Yeah. And we this actually made that. him even more unpredictable. Unpredictable because he was afraid that bringing in this Julie girl was going to drag Mary back into pro- 
prostitution. And so Joseph gave her an ultimatum. It's me or her. Unfortunately for Joseph, Mary very quickly chose her new friend and Joseph moved out, possibly taking the key to the room with him. Because the well, key had been missing for weeks. There was like a weird thing where it's like he had something. I think that he, if that's true, whether or not he's Jack the Ripper, he wanted control over Mary Kelly. But yeah. we do know, so, but he didn't like the like the, the previous guy, what was it, Deemer? Deem- uh, Deeming. He, he, we, he's a murderer no matter what. But this guy, he hasn't killed anybody unless he is Jack the Ripper, correct? Yeah. Yes. So he's just trying to get a woman to not be a prostitute or a sex worker or a <laughs> lady of the <laughs> extravagant well, night. A friendly woman. A he, friendly lady but so he's not really that horrible uh advanced boyfriend techniques the means begets the ends the ends begets the means right well unless he is jack the ripper in which case he's horrible but the idea of those like you're a prostitute i would like pretty woman richard gear he he wouldn't be happy if she went back to work i mean really what this is is that if you know this story is uh essentially uh mary kelly taking advantage of an autistic man named joseph barnett possibly unless unless he's jack the ripper if he's not jack the ripper yeah if he's not if he's right. not jack the ripper then you know joseph barnett is the victim here because he's just some guy with a stutter that is trying to get a girlfriend and then she's like give me more money yeah, he's selling, selling oranges to make ends meet. <laughs> he's literally out selling oranges, and I don't imagine a lot of people are buying oranges. I don't think no, so. Sailors, a lot of sailors are buying oranges. Uh, yeah, White because Cha- you had to not get scurvy. Whitechapel also doesn't seem the place like that would have a lot of orange trees lying around. You know, <laughs> so that's yeah. interesting. See, Joseph, despite being rejected, he still came back every day to give Kelly money when he could, hoping to buy his way back in. And when Julie moved out, the homeless prostitute, Barnett thought that it was time for him to move back in. But Mary didn't want that because her life was a hell of a lot easier now that Barnett was just showing up and giving her money rather than sitting in her rather than sitting with her in a tiny room repeating everything that he said day in day out God, just hours of that just hours of that Kelly decided that she wanted to live in the room alone. And the theory goes if Barnett is the ripper, that didn't sit too well with him. On November 8th, the two got into a huge fight about the living situation, after which Joseph stormed out, and Mary went out and got trashed at a local pub, taking two different men home that night. Ooh. And in the early morning the hours... Kind of threesome. And in the early morning hours, it is possible that Barnett returned to the apartment, let himself in using the key he had stolen, mm. and slaughtered the object of his affection in a fashion so brutal it would become one of the most famous murders of all time. Now, it's just a matter of... Can you go from normal, if this is true, can you go from normal to that level of brutal killer that fast? No. Right? It's like, that's the thing, right? So it's like Fred Deeming, on your end, he's murdered before, or right. now he's building up to murder, or he's done a bunch of small crimes, which is the well, common serial killer yeah, pattern, he's a right? lifelong con man and uh, thief. He's been right. in and out of jail for thievery. He's been in and out of jail for fraud. He's like Charles uh, he's, Manson. Yeah, he's been doing thievery since he was a kid, you know, like, so this is a, a lifelong thing for him. And but, this guy's been working his whole life making an honest paycheck. True. But it's like, so Fred Deeming... He maybe slips up and kills somebody, and now he, since he's contracted syphilis, that t- is enough, you think, for him to jump to the level of of murder that this, right? Because kind of like of, 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 
product killing. He's still yeah, and he because he escalates each time. Yes. You know, every time because he's been going in and out of Whitechapel for a while now, visiting prostitutes in Whitechapel from this new rail line in uh from Liverpool to London. So he's already going in and out of Whitechapel for prostitution. So he already knows the area. So it makes hmm. sense that he would return to Whitechapel to use as his killing fields because that was the same place where he first contracted contracted syphilis. Yes. Right. Yes, because it causes symbolic. Yeah, right? it's very. It's a very symbolic killing. Well, but on the other hand, it's too symbolic. It's too good. But also, and, would would the, him being a stranger be a problem? This is my question. If Whitechapel is so, there's twelve hundred prostitutes and this densely packed like triangle of streets, roughly, right? There's this this area. Do you think that that level of familiarity, that kind of that packed together, do you think that either makes people blend in or stick out? Like, so is does Barnett being somebody that everybody knows make him? Does that make it much easier for him to be Jack the Ripper because he can approach people and people know who he is and they trust him already and they or and they he knows the streets and he's a local, so everybody just kind of assumes that he's in on what's going on and that would deeming not stick out like a store thumb because he comes in from out of town and nobody really knows who this guy. is. Is. And if he looks so distinct because of his eyes, it seemed like you'd be seeing that all the time. Well, mm. I think that I think what that tells you is that um, Whitechapel, there are a ton of people coming in and out. You know that the upper we know that the uh, aristocracy is always coming into Whitechapel to get their jollies off. A lot of people are coming in and out of Whitechapel constantly, and it's also a very transient area because it's right near a port. So they're used to people coming in and out mm. all the time. And Joseph and uh, Joseph Barnett, if he was Jack the Ripper. Then I think somebody would have noticed, since he was a familiar face, people would have noticed him being around all of the murders every single time. They would have noticed, like, oh shit, Joseph was right over here. Oh shit, Joseph was over here as well. He was at all these murders. And really, since Deeming had such a distinctive face, he was seen around all the murders. People did remember him a lot more. So Deeming was actually seen at the murder scenes, or at least near the murder scenes, or at the very least in Whitechapel the night of. And furthermore, Uh uh, as far as the night that he was in Whitechapel, that dressmaker saw him the next day. He was reading the newspaper, and she said when he read about the double event, she said that he got extremely agitated. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a good sign. But this is my thing. What if Long Liz was not killed by Jack the Ripper? I think that that is extremely possible. I'm starting to think, number one, like, none of this happened. I'm going insane. <laughs> but what if Long Liz was not a Jack the Ripper victim? I yeah. think if she was not, it points towards Burnett, right? And points towards building up that idea that he was killing. He is going nuts with, with obsession over Mary Kelly, that he's willing to kill her friends in order to keep her inside. I think that there is a... I think the problem is the mutilation. That is the thing where it's just like, that's mm. a very big... Product killing is a different type of murder. Yeah. That's a sec- that is a sexual deviancy. That's something that's really driven that would have shown during other things. Like, he would have had to have been pissing his pants and killing animals and shit like that and coming his pants when he's killing animals. Well, my biggest right. thing about Barnett is that Barnett's too much of a story. After after all the stuff that we've uh, covered, all the serial killers that we've covered, it's never that clean. There is never a story. It's always a mess. It's always madness. There's nothing mm-hmm. there that's an actual narrative. It's always just insanity. And for me, Fred Deeming is insanity. For me, Fred Deeming comes in like a whirlwind and kills all of these women in a very messy fashion, but Joseph Barnett, there's too much motivation, there's too much of a tale there, and it's never 
a movie. It's never a story. And mm-hmm. for me, Barnett is such a movie. Well, also, we're reading it from the perspective of historians that have pieced this together as a story. Yeah. Right? So it's like they're, they're piecing it so you could see, like, they're, they're presenting it, right? Yeah. Saying, like, this is how maybe it could work. Um, but one thing I will also point towards Burnett is that Burnett was actually investigated by Aberlane. He was pulled in first to identify the body of Mary Kelly, but he was so strange when they when they, pres- they brought in to identify the body that what they did was back in the day is that they would have all the witnesses in a big hall and they would, the witnesses would come in and speak. They call it an inquest. Yes, yeah, so and it's like they would come, so they all watch it. It was very interesting to see how people behaved where it's just like he showed up and he kind of, he he said he was in two different places that night. Mm-hmm. It was like this like weird thing. Obviously, he, 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 he fucked up his own testimony because no, no one's reliable because right. fucking Whitechapel, even the, they're not even reliable to themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like they are, so it's strange. It seemed like it was like this weird thing. So he was on a list yeah. for a while. But a lot of Barnett stuff comes from, a lot of the Barnett story comes from newspapers, which, you know, newspapers at the time were the most unreliable things possible. As opposed where, to now. Totally that, accurate now. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's a lot more, uh, I guess, concrete uh, evidence as far as what Deeming's uh, actual travels were. Uh, and I think Barnett, the thing is about him, I, I don't know. He it just doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't feel right, but it is also possible that Jack the Ripper was only the first four or even just those three and that what it could be it could be see? that, de- that de- oh, Marcus see. is starting to smile way too much now it could be Maybe that Deeming killed Mary Nichols Annie Chapman and Catherine Eddowes Deeming killed those three Elizabeth Stride was killed by someone altogether different but Mary Kelly was killed by Joseph Barnett yeah I could completely <laughs> right. buy that that's because I'm starting to think that too is that I honestly you know it's been a long time. It's been a very long time. It's been like 140-something years. Am I yeah. wrong? Was that good math? It's about no, no. 130. Oh, all right. <laughs> right around there. And so It's it, one year off from being 130. Almost 130 years. Um, You know, Jack the Ripper didn't get caught. Jack the Ripper didn't no. get caught. But, you know, this could also be the same thing as the Boston Strangler, because we, mm-hmm. uh, we know that Albert DeSalvo did not commit all the Boston Strangler murders. He probably committed one of them, and in fact, it was probably more like three people that committed uh, the Boston Strangler murders. Well, it could be that the Jack the Ripper murders were also three people as well, and that would sure. make sense that, you know, Elizabeth Strag and Catherine Eddowes, the night of the double event, it makes a lot more sense that that is two different people rather than one person running from one scene to the other. Yes. And Unless course, you believe that he's a roving sex maniac. Yeah. Which is he, possible. Which is also very possible that he didn't get his jollies off with Stride, so he moved on to Edo's. Uh, mm-hmm. But it also, you know, I, I do kind of like that, you know, let's go for everyone's right. Yeah. And a conclusion <laughs> where everybody's right, like the end of the movie Clue. They all did it. They all did I'm it. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. <laughs> but I will put it this way. Jack the Ripper is still, it's, an, it's a really oh, compelling case. Yeah. Well, um, there's a reason why we did five hours of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, read all of the stuff on it. It's very compelling. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll be a blabbering idiot as well. That's mm-hmm. exciting. I, I do blame the media. I, you know, media is always in the crosshairs here, but this is one of the first examples where the media, I think, drives these stories. It was the and, first example and, of the media um, driving the story. That's why it's so huge. Back, it, it's a great yeah. study in both criminology and in journalism. And and back to the idea of many people, you know, you read an article about this, and next thing you know, you're inspired to go and do it yourself. I mean, I think that's what happened with Zodiac. I think it's just a bunch of copycat people, and I think it could be the same thing here. Media doesn't take any uh, responsibility whatsoever. They just want to sell papers. It's true. And, and it's it a could, little bit, uh, it, and I don't think it does, the. It, it, it's not 
not for the greater good. Because they can't. They look at responsibility. I was actually reading a very interesting article last night about people trying to put responsibility into the idea of how we use our cell phones and the fact that we're addicted to them, like our behavior. And then maybe they should start thinking about the responsibility of of app makers to uh, to the fact that thinking about the fact that they're ruining our lives by what? how addictive the apps are. Do you know what I do? I don't pay for anything. On my games, I get the games because they always want you to pay. Because but get then you plateau and it's the most boring thing on the face of the planet. No, then you just stop playing until they let you play again. <laughs> <laughs> they make you take like an hour or twenty four hours off. That's what I do. Anyway, uh, wow. So Barnett or Deeming, those are the two biggest suspects for uh, us for, for uh, last podcast on the left. I Unbelievable. Mean, I mean, I, I'm Deeming's my man. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Barnett. It's the thing. Upon regoing to, it's like I can see it. But at the same time, I can't because it's such a big jump. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go with Deeming as well because I just don't want to believe someone who sells fresh produce could hurt anybody <laughs> or anything. I don't know. Why the way they carve up them fruit? Mm. Two oranges smashed next to each other to Ooh. me looks like a set of breasts. The other day, because I'm trying to lose weight, I'm on a new drug called Ally, which captures the fat, by the way. Oh, you're doing this shit again? Oh, it's, wonder- oh, it's the best. You is did it, this, this is same- this speed? Are you just uh, taking speed again? No, no, no. You did this no, same- No, 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 no. Uh, he is literally, he is feet are connected to the ceiling and he's been doing this entire <laughs> no, show no, upside no. down like a bat. Now my question though is, but is this the same thing that made all the gel bond, like all this fat gel together and then you just shat clear gel? I remember that. Yeah, years ago. <laughs> yeah, went back when I was also getting healthy and I lost about 30 pounds. Okay. Oh. And, and it's all it's all in the sewer system. <laughs> so that's kind of disgusting if you think about it. But I did buy some mango off the street for the first time in the Ziploc bag. Some of the best mango I ever had. Yeah, dude, I eat a shitload of mango all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's why I'm saying I don't want to believe people who sell produce could kill because I'm, I'm quite fond of their food. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, five oh. parts. Wow. Wow. Well, actually, four parts and then two. I don't yeah, know yeah. anymore Ancillary how much parts. Yeah. Yes. Um, we did it, though. We did it. And we solved the case. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we solved the case. Yeah. Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, and Catherine Eddowes killed by Fred Deeming. Elizabeth Stride, person unknown. And Mary Jane Kelly uh, by Joseph Barnett. But I would say that I'll yeah, probably Deeming. All right. Well, I'm not. I, I, I did learn a lot. And the most thing uh, that I learned, the most important thing I learned, was that the fat guy from Nuns on the Run was also in Harry Potter. He's not in Harry because Potter. people always tweeted at me. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for that. Also uh, in From Hell. Yes. Which huh. is the hey, Jackie Ripper thing. That's actually the more important fact. That is the more important fact. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a much more important connection. And yet. you've been to Harry Potter World twice. Two times. Two times, which is exciting. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks so much for, uh, for supporting us um, with the Patreon and all those things. We have a bunch of fun things happening. I want to say uh, shout out to Chicago. We had a wonderful time last weekend. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for the great hospitality. And we had a bunch of stuff coming up in the A future. man attacked you. Yes, but then he wrote an apology email to me. Oh, that's so, so nice. It was, it was interesting to say the least. And, and, and no hard feelings, of course. Everyone was extremely intoxicated. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to have a good, that's a good Midwestern time. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got, got a lot of live shows coming up. CaveComingRadio.com slash live is where you can get tickets to St. Paul, Ithaca, Salt Lake City, and San Francisco. Uh, so uh, CaveComedyRadio.com slash live is where you can find all of those dates. And of course, if uh, you want to be first in line for our upcoming Texas tour, which is going to be happening in April. We are just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit away from getting all of those dates booked. Houston, Austin, and Dallas. We're going to be coming to in April. If you want to get first crack at those tickets, 
Give to our Patreon. All it takes is $1. If you go to patreon.com slash lastpodcastontheleft and give just $1, you get advanced ticket sales. So please give to our Patreon if you feel like we deserve it. Thank you so much to everybody who has given to our mm-hmm. Patreon. Uh, you guys are the absolute fucking best. You're the best. Um, um, follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Henry Loves You, at Ben Kissel, at yep. Marcus Parks. I am currently, and I will be retweeting pet pictures until, uh, well, for the foreseen uh, future here, because I'm getting a lot of them, and I'm just going to do like three a day as opposed to the hundreds that I've tweeted. Because so <laughs> it just seems like a desperate, weird thing after mm-hmm. a while when you when it gets into the hundreds. Yeah. Well, I figured I didn't want to be mean to someone who sent me a picture of their pet, because then it'd be like, he's retweeting all of these ones, but he didn't retweet this one. Well, he so. wasn't a good enough pet. No, but every pet is a good enough pet. I don't if know. You find, if they all seem to be loved to me that's love that's good isn't that nice uh, and, and then also on t- on yes. instagram um i'm at uh, dr fantasty at marcus perks yep at ben kissel one one uh, and then find us on last podcast left on, on all of the bullshits at lp on the left and get off facebook yeah uh, yeah, yeah and if anyone oh. sent me anything on facebook sorry I, I dropped out of facebook like two weeks ago and i, I think i'm out yeah i, th- I I'm think pretty i'm sure, pretty sure i'm 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 out of facebook so yeah if you want to get a hold of me about something yeah twitter like get, they, get a hold of me I on know, twitter I, they know yeah. too much about us they know to their theory I, I am i am starting to get paranoid yeah, deeply. You're starting worse than to get paranoid. Worse than before, and oh also Alex Jones, Joe Rogan thing sent me down another rabbit hole last night, where it's just like Alex Jones. Say what you will about the man, he's a lunatic. He, yes, but he is also an encyclopedia of conspiracy theories. Crazy, and when he just ticks off stuff, you're like, holy shit, there's yeah. a lot going on. Do you know that Darwin was uh, did this whole thing where he was hallucinating, and that's a part of how he came up with the theory of evolution, and that possibly he believed that aliens were speaking to his brain are you re- just repeating what alex jones said or did you look this up on your own i looked it up on my own after i heard what he said <laughs> i mean he was i think he was just thinking darwin was thinking mm. <laughs> <laughs> no and he's a very good performer obviously very good oh performer. and we got some new t-shirts oh uh, yes. we got some abe lincoln's top hat t-shirts oh it they is, out now is that yeah official? They're, they're out now yeah it's yeah. uh it is the skull of abraham lincoln puking out the american flag oh and what it's a beautiful, beautiful flag it is cave company radio uh merch.com is ready to go to to get that or our yep. uh, hail yourself t-shirt or our classic logo t-shirt yeah we got more sh- more t-shirts coming in the future thanks so much for supporting all the shows top hat like marcus just said roundtable of gentlemen page seven sex and other human activities all the shows here on ccr are absolutely crushing it i counted we had seven shows in the top 100 on itunes in three different categories let's, uh, let's take it over five stars over five stars on Again, itunes Woo! not a celebrity different uh, driven uh, podcast network just work that's been put into it mm-hmm. we're better than everybody else uh, because of you guys and because uh we love let's talking with you and having a relationship yeah yes. we're all just buds we're, we're all, all just buds. buds hail yourselves everybody. hail satan Hail Gein! Hail me. Mugus delicious. Leave the prostitutes alone. Please. Always. Okay. We're good to go? We're good to go. All right, everybody. Are you ready for your um, last podcast and last Patreon shout out? No, don't do it like Holden does it from the round table. Please uh, shut, shut up. Shut up. We're not doing it like that. A Duber one says, go fuck yourself, oh, Trevor. God. Can't deal with all this. All right. Well, I'll just get it going here. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who donated to our Patreon. Laura S. Thank you. Rafael Estrada. Ooh. Jess. Brandon Douglas. Brent Hauser, thank you, Brent Hauser. Amy Consolation, that's Ooh. a fun name. JT, Laura McCool, 
That's good because I know Laura McCool. You do. She seems she's very sweet. She's on Twitter, Twitter friend. Oh, nice. Thomas Adrian Walks. I'm happy that you're back doing that. William <laughs> H. Hinchman, Rebecca Elner, Carrie Jamison. Ooh, I like Jamison. Laura <laughs> Laura Braden, <laughs> Caitlin Oruska, Sean Power, Luke Herbert. Leslie Mascria. Ooh, I'm doing so well with these names. Alexander Metcalf. Tails Ver- Talos Virgin. <laughs> Andrew Child. Rob P. Ma- <laughs> Matthew McDoyle. Maybe oh. he's related to McCool. Oh, well. Uh, M. Sanan. Silky Dixon. <laughs> oh. Marcella Snell. Ooh, $50. Very good. Oh. You did very good. Very good. Wow. And for that, Marcella, I say thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Frank Pocklington, Francisco Valencia, Brandon Wiggins, Samantha Zimmerman, uh oh, Margaret Hogg, <laughs> Ben Stonick, Lachlan Mar, Nikki Reed, Ed Moore, Camille Yvonne, Georgia Layton, Faisal John Mohammed, Chris Nonis, Adrian Holmes, Isabella Parsons, Casey Schubert. Brian Robertson, David Fulgeron, mm-hmm. and Melissa Small. Ooh. Got Megan Olin, Ivy Samples, Mignon Ayala. 50 bucks from Mignon. Wow. Ooh. Alexia Peralta, Anthea McClintock, Harrison Nosira, Eric, Aaron Corcoron, Emily Van Sullen, Emily Schalschlin, Marguerite, Jacob Kimner, Ellie McKenna, Austin Haraman, Mikey Pibb, Joshua McAllister, Alex Marthaler, $50 as well. Ooh, Brian name. Hughes, Claire Toal, Sarah Kendall, hey Sarah, uh, Joshua Augustus Quinlan, uh, Rebecca Lieber, and Josh Howard Just. All right, well, here's my list. It's Jessica Calentuno. Ooh. Calentuno. I don't think I'm saying that one right. Colin Twino. Colin Twino. I think that's Portuguese. Oh, exotic. I went to go eat some Peruvian food the other day, but they were closed. Peruvian? Peruvian. So would you end up eating? (laughs) Uh, Ooh, uh, bar food. (laughs) Terrible story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Melissa Heinzelman, Alina Hang, Vince, well, these are tough names now. Cicciano. Cicciano? Either way, Vince, thank you. And, and isn't that nice of you? Jacob Lowry, Juan Rodriguez, Alex Carr, Richard Geese, Coley Wong, Alex Gilbert, Morgan Mont- Montesanto. Ooh, Ooh maybe, maybe the some- tomatoes big. Yeah, get them tomatoes nice. Tyler M., Andrea Ramos, Jacob Beaumont, Nikki Waterman, Parker Slade. Parker Slade, he sounds like a bad guy in every John Hughes movie. Jenny Alvarez, Karen Vaught, Jason Chapa, ooh, the mess files, Kirsten Bazar Besserard, Besserard, Alexander Garrett. Dylan Brunmeyer. Oh, I'm sorry, Alexandria Garrett. Thank you. Thank you. You may go, I apologize. Jared Wheatley, Alec like the Baldwin, Evie, Jordan Marsh, Maureen Fury, Amanda Burke, Krista Just, Liz Boyce, Melissa Blizzard, <laughs> Daniel Morton, <laughs> Joshua Funky, bound out down and on out down, bound out down and on out down. I hope it's the music and not your butt, stupid. 
Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> Jennifer Ortiz, Samantha Stevens, Craig Campbell, Amanda Williamson, Frank Just, Trevor Collins, Pat, Alex Rosendez, Mallory Weiser, Stephanie Smith. Sounds like a fake name. Stephanie Smith? Yeah. That sounds like a super real name. Fake name. Craig Deanger, Jessica Just, Anna Croft. 50 bucks. Thank you, Anna. Mm. James Kruger, Andy Adam Key, Lily Deese, Sarah Youssef, Ashley Garbs, Callie Bonakorski, Molly Scheller, Chastity Rose, Stephanie Pethanensteel, and <laughs> I like that name. Pethanen, Pethanen, I mean, uh, Anna, Rachel Fitchman, Rachel Goddesman, Joshua Finke, Les Knight, Blith Bourgeois, Bethany McFarland, Burt Havard, Andrew Cash, and Aaron Hood. All right, here we got Melvin Horner. Love you, Melvin. Maxwell Moody, Lindsay Kopi, Kopke, uh, Tian Lu, Lu uh, Matthew Patton, Jesse Witt, Justin Colley, Jim Stengeli, Brooke O'Dubs. Oh, I like that O'Dubs. O'Dubs. Emilio Rodriguez, Oscar Luna, Jeannie Konzenberg, Old Creeping with Armstrong, Clinton D. Borowski, Janelle Powell-Fulton, Matthew Crouch, Brian Roger, Logan Blaskowski, Harry Harry just edited their... Okay, Harry. Uh, Jeremy Lurie. <laughs> they lowered their pledge. Yes, he lowered the pledge. <laughs> and thank you for that, Harry. Because he listened to a few episodes. He said, I've rethought it. But he still contributed, and we I'll appreciate take that. We'll take that. We love that very much. Jeremy Lurila, Thomas Mahan, uh, and Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Miranda Kaye Novell. Melinda House. David Vaughn. Veronica Stewart. Bobby Heil. Ooh. Related? Huh? <laughs> what? Claire Chamley. Christy Lewis. Sabina Mariella. Rob Deal. Jeffrey Smith. Samantha McDougal. Jenna Pucci. Here's it. Josh Brennan. Caroline Mordi. David Haimovich. Nick Dudovac, Dudakovic, 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 Alejandro Guerrero Garcia, Wes Tierney, Ryan Vindeknecht, Lex, Melissa Whitney, Kelly Brusky. All right. Andrew Just. Oh, you know what I just realized? Hmm. Is that uh, when I'm saying Just... It's Andrew it's pledge. just pledged $2. <laughs> yeah, you've been saying that a bunch. I was like, I call. I was like, man, there's a whole bunch of people with the last name of just. I'm a moron. Oh, okay. Andrew, Tony St. Cross, Anna Brandon, Nick Hargist, Glenn White, Kevin Cortacas, Ginny Reinert, Katie Wolgenant, Mary Lewis, Bonehead13, yeah. J- Sam Willingmeyer, Sarah Lake Mitchell, Alicia Fitzsimmons, Dallin Hope, Adam Hicks, Tom Costelny, Jesse Rudell, Haley Tyree, Rebecca Pope, Jesse McNett, Whitney, and Augie Setterloff. Hmm. Oh, Augie Setterloff. Oh. I remember when Augie was just a little Setterloff. Um, okay, here we got the name is Cat. Thank you so much, Cat. Mike Ponder, Matthew Stevens, Pamela Froze, Christina 
Spetnuski, and now she put it in. Can I just Spetnuski is how it's pronounced because she gave us the thing there, but it's spelled Z B Z B Y T N I E W S K I. The motherland. In what world <laughs> the do I get Spetnuski? So thank you so much, Christina, for clarifying that for me because I would have gone with Zidabeneski <laughs> uh, and Brandon Funkhauser, uh, Funkhauser which sounds like he should be a, he would be a great linebacker or just an overall fun defensive lineman. He does sound like a gronk. Sean Belt, Sarah Mitchell, Ernesto Oreca, Michael Bailey, Natalie Connors, Heather Church, hey girl, hi, Danielle Burodick, Jordan Elmer, Eric Guerreri, Andrew B, Hysteria 51, cool name. Do you not have parents? Are you a crust punk <laughs> that just lives on the street? Oh. Kelly Harrington, Jake Begun, Priscilla Alba, Manuel Zapata. Caleb McAllister, Kellen Dayton, Haley Gray, Emily Mankus, David Flisk, Christopher Bowles, Gusef Fame. Wow. Got Desiree Lopez, Juan Hernandez, Jennifer Castellega, Wade Prother, Tyree Kordoski, El Marie, Ellie Marie, Fran Lolacano, Sarah Steyer, Heather Andrews, Joshua Nichols, Jay Stevens, Cracked Underscore Machine, Janelle O'Malley, Madison Jacob, Patrick McMullen, Audra Grintz, Katie Parr, Sonia Vazbrune, Michelle Bess, Arlene Henriquez, Jackson Davis, and Blank Bonafede. I want to thank uh, Mike Ponder as well. He gave $50, so thank you, Mike, for that. That's yeah. very sweet. Uh, that's unbelievably nice. And this next list of names, it's either people who give 25 or $50. I, this is a very wealthy card that this I'm holding here. This is wealthy. Yeah, it's um, big money. So thank you guys so much. Again, $1 or $50, I mean, it, it all means the world to us. So let's go on. Justin Riley, Tom Jordan, Maya Carraro, B- Bodel Sorlockin, uh, Mark Strickland, Kyle Sweezy. Ooh, that's kind of like Yeezy, so maybe he's a rapper. Interesting. Caitlin... Caitlin Russell, Kyle Lair, Colette McKiernan, and Ashley Bell. Thank you so much. Ruth Westcott, Kelly Budrick. We, I, I believe that we're also, we met, you met Kelly Budrick. Yes. Yes, hey, thank Wonderful. you so much. $50, you're nuts. Ryan Shore, Jeff Watson, Tyson Timmer, Brooks Brecken, Christerina, Liam Bryant, William Mayhall, Stephanie Whitney, <laughs> Jessica Barton, Alexandra Ace, Claire Noonan, <laughs> it's a Noonan. Let's get a Noonan. Carl. Carl. Poor Carl. His name is Carl Carl? Nope, he just has one name. Carl. No one else. No oh, family. Oh, I like Carl. Groff Vorharft. Seinful Curves. Hmm. Adam Bitsnitch. Don't tell him anything. <laughs> Bitsnitch. Justin Killian. Castastic. Charles Dowd. Courtney Ship. Ryan. Ashley Causey, Jake Hart, Charles Griffiths, Maggie. Jake L- Hart, that's our friend Jake yeah, Hart. Yeah, Jake oh, Hart. Jake. Yes, he's got a great show here at the yeah. CC uh, Cave Comedy Radio. Or at, no, at, no, uh, no, at, no, at the Creek of the Cave. Yeah, yeah. Where are we? Jesus Maggie Love. Come on. Sonia, Ashley Kamel, Eric Foster, Kristen, Nadine Whitmer, Elizabeth Gamble, Sally Kuchar, Mike McMillan, Kim Wyndham, Ash- Ashton Little, Ali Trin. And Krista L. Xavier. All right. I will wrap it all up here for me with Aaron Lofties, Caleb Brock, Ryan Allison, 
Karen Girdler. Ooh, that's a fun Karen Girdler. Girdler. It's the Girdler wedding. Remember that when, <laughs> when Leno used to be like, these two names are funny together. It's a funny <laughs> name. It's a funny name. It's like I didn't have to write anything. Oh, okay. Karen Girdler. Uh, Edin Snon- Sundern. TJ Martinez. Mike Leibs. Rebecca Ann Payne. Travis Tim. Shayla Christina. Caitlin Lyons and John Steinhammer. Thank you so much. And this is Carrie Anderson, Aaron Diaz, Lucinda Boakman, Ben Strode, Daniel Nelson. Thank you guys so much. Hail Satan. Yes, thank oh. everybody so much for all of uh, the help that they've given to us over yep. the years. This is fantastic stuff. Uh, and uh, remember, if you uh, want to get a shout-out, we've got so many names to get through. But as you can tell, we're uh, getting to them as much as we can. We're, we're getting, getting get big, ch- big chunks. We're going to get. We're gonna do this. You will hear your name be said by three people that are cloudy. Yeah, terrible at saying them. Yeah. That's what they say, yes, but that's good. Well, go out there. I hope you're fertile. Absolutely, everyone. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail me. Ma- mm, hail Gene. And Magustalations. Magustalations. Yes. This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo, and in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host, Scott Augerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast listen every monday wherever you get your podcasts you ever meet someone who seems kind of off whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you truth finder has you covered you can search for people by name address phone number email and more truth finder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.